Welcome, everybody, to the Tierney EdTech Podcast. Uh, this is officially episode one. I'm Derek Burns, Chief Marketing Officer for Tierney, and I'm your host. And joining me today is Ryan Siemens, Director of New Product Sales. Welcome, Ryan. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, a little before we um, get into discussion with Ryan, I uh, want to take a little bit of time to focus on what this podcast is all about. So it's going to be a podcast really focused on new products for the K-12 ed tech space. So some of the products will have an overlap to higher education, colleges, and universities, but think things like um, interactive flat panels, classroom audio, Chromebooks, uh, STEM tools, again, that, that ed tech, anything that, that classroom technology, we're going to talk about distance and hybrid learning and things like that, but it's really going to be focused on products. Um, there's, there's going to be no regular cadence. Uh, we will have a podcast when we have some, some cool stuff and some new technology to talk about, but we're not going to force it. So uh, we won't guarantee that we're going to have a certain number of episodes in a certain period of time. And similarly, we're, we're not going to fill time. So the, the episodes will be as long as necessary. Uh, we're we're going to have a few things that we want to hit on and a few things we want to show, uh, talk about and, and introduce listeners to, but um, it's, going to, it's going to take what it, the time that it takes. Um, we, we will talk about new products, but it's not going to be a sales pitch. Um, Full disclosure, we are an ed tech provider, a national ed tech provider. We're an authorized dealer for many products. Uh, but in addition to products, we also offer design and integration. Um, so we're, we, we are involved with integrating within your school classroom district. We have a whole professional development department uh, where we can train end users on how to use the products correctly because ultimately that's what we want. We want these, these ed tech tools to be used effectively. Um, and then we have technical support. So after the, the integration and after the training, you know, we want to make sure that these things are working. If something breaks down, you have somebody to call. We don't have overseas call centers. We have a local U.S.-based uh, call center. We have field technicians. So kind of the full services to wrap it around. But um, getting back to the point, this is not going to be a sales pitch. We, we believe in the power of choice for schools. And our mission is to provide schools with tools that help teachers teach and students learn. So we're going to kind of introduce you to different tools on each episode. And it's up to you to decide, is this something that might be good for me or my classroom or my school or my district? And if it is, great. Uh, if it's not a good match or it's, then that's fine. It's, it's no problem with us. So um, with that, Ryan, let's, let's dive into episode one. Uh, we're going to kind of start with the theme in this episode of of this transition from pre-COVID um, educational technology to during the pandemic, how educational technology was effective, what what worked, what didn't work, uh, and then we're going to transition. You talk about transitioning out of, you know, looking at this kind of post-COVID world. So um, let me just start with a broad question, Ryan. What did we learn so far? from this COVID, this pandemic era, in terms of technologies in schools? I mean, maybe a high level, if you can, on, on what worked, what we saw that maybe didn't work. Um, and we'll get into some specific tools that, that I think we, we saw work and saw some successes. But in general, your feedback on, on what we've learned so far. Yeah, I would I would say, well, a couple things to caveat that. Number one, thanks to, you know, all the teachers that, uh, 
you know, have put in just so much time and effort and have had to do things differently. And um, same with, uh, you know, whether it's public, private, charter, administration, uh, people that support the teachers within the, the districts and the the institutions want to say thank you. I, I know I have four kids and um, it, it's uh, it's not it's not easy to, to switch uh, what you're doing and how you're doing it. So thank you. Um, I'll also say the vast majority of things that I'm sharing, you know, per your question, Derek, really have come from experiences and working with schools um, during this time. So when I'm sharing examples or, or best practices or ideas, um, there's a very good chance that that's coming from a real life example. Um, so so back to your question, as far as, you know, COVID and, and transition, I think we even start a little bit pre-COVID. Um, you know, last March, believe it or not, holy cow, it's, it's, it's flown by, but last March, yeah. I, you know, we had a lot of um, requests from schools uh, around what they what they thought was going to be best based on their environment. But really, we're kind of looking to us to say, you know, what are other people doing? What can we do? You know, what are the puzzle pieces that need to need to uh, be put together to provide learning experiences for students and, and opportunities to teach for teachers? Um, I think what we found high level is. A lot of the the tools, um, whether it was investments pre-COVID or during COVID, a lot of those tools will actually um, transcend COVID uh, into into the future. Um, obviously, this school year, maybe potentially next school year, um, you know, some of the products that support, you know, like you mentioned, audio, which we're going to hit on more in the next podcast. Um, but I think overall, what I'm hearing working with schools is and other stakeholders within organizations is that there's going to be um, some level of, of uh, new expectation from, from parents and, and um, other stakeholders around maybe more choice in how their students learn or where they learn from. Um, you know, a lot of the organizations have provided students the opportunity to learn from uh, remotely this year. And for some students that works and for some it doesn't. But to provide at least a, a uh, even if it's a limited option for some students, and those technologies uh, are going to help with that as well. Um, so I, I'm just seeing and hearing that a lot of the things that schools uh, invested in pre-COVID and during COVID are actually still going to be valuable as they as they move forward. Maybe it's you know finding a different way to provide students um, support you know, outside of the classroom, whether it's recording lessons. I know a lot of teachers are teaching synchronously right now with students at home and, you know, through Google Meet, through Zoom or Teams or something like that. Uh, but there may be uh, an element of this that that can uh, provide additional support to students even when they go back to the classroom. Yeah, I think it's that there are going to be some changes that are that are permanent and I think are for the better. Um, we, we don't want to get into a debate about how long changes are going to happen and and that's that's not going to be productive but i think it's the point's taken ryan that that some of these changes in technology and and enabling uh, you know educators to connect with students remotely if need be in certain circumstances is, is has gotten better and it will get better and i think that's something that will continue into the future for for whenever it's needed um well let's talk about um let's let's talk about a specific category and start simple here and just talk about webcams. So I think real fast people learned the the quality and feature set of of webcams 
makes a big difference uh, for for remote hybrid learning, for students connecting, things like that. So maybe if you can start broad um, and just talk about what you know what features we learned that were important with webcams, and then maybe some best practices, um, how to use your webcam and and what we saw that was successful. Um, what did people learn from this, you know, kind of takeaways, and then we'll get into some maybe specific recommendations. So if you're looking for some specific webcams that we saw used successfully and that really worked, um, just hang tight, we'll get there. But first of all, Ryan, um, what worked, what didn't best practices? Yeah. I, you know, I would say first off, it really depends on your environment and what your priority is, um, for capturing, you know, that video content. So we had some organizations and schools that we worked with that, you know, when they first came into the into the the COVID era, um, you know, they were they were trying to to have students at home see everything in the classroom, or if it was a hybrid environment where half the kids were in the class and half the kids were at home, um, they wanted you know the students at home to be able to see the teacher, hear the teacher teaching, but also be able to communicate or see the students in the classroom. Um, and once we started having those conversations. You know, obviously budgets are part of the conversation and, and it got pretty expensive pretty quick. Um, so then, you know, we worked with schools on just saying, what is the most important thing that happens for students when they're remote? And, and every single time it came back to um, or down to being able to hear the teacher teaching, see the teacher teaching and see the content that the teacher's leveraging. Um, so when it comes to webcams, it really depends on the environment and how far away you that webcam needs to be from that teacher, um, et cetera. So, you know, everything from tracking cameras that allow the teacher to move more freely, maybe between um, some type of uh, panel, interactive panel, projector, you know, interactive projector, whatever that main source of content is for the students in the classroom. Um, and then being able to jump over to a whiteboard or some type of uh, manipulative uh, teaching tool um, or even like in a science environment, being able to, to walk over to a, a table and, and run an experiment. So being able to have a camera kind of follow the teacher along the way um, was we saw a lot of interest um, in that functionality. Uh, we also saw interest, again, based on in the environment of how well a, a webcam, um, some of these webcams have integrated uh, microphones with them in them and how well those work. Uh, so it, it's, a, it's a best practice to identify, you know, some of these webcams, if, if they're within 10 feet of the teacher, you don't need a supplementary, you know, microphone source. If they're a little further away or the teacher is going to be moving throughout the room, you may need that secondary uh, microphone source. So those are the things with webcams that we really noticed. Um, another thing too, it's kind of a little caveat off of webcams, but lighting. <laughs> so one yeah, thing we noticed sure. is if you have poor lighting or you are not strategic about your lighting or you put the teacher right under a light, doesn't matter what kind of webcam you have, the content that's that they're trying to share is is just, it's not going to look right or look good. Um, and be easily uh, readable or, or seeable by students uh, remotely. So that's another thing I would say is a best practice, um, if if you can, to make sure that you have that light behind the camera facing uh, facing the teacher. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, so what about some specific ones that we saw that that worked for schools? And 
Um, whatever we talk about, we'll make sure that we put some links in the description um, of the podcast, and we'll talk more about that at the end. But if something piques your interest or you want to learn more, um, we'll, we'll let you know how to do that. But what, which ones jump to mind? I know we're gonna we're gonna talk in in a bit about one of the auto tracking um, camera robots. But before we do that, are there any others that, um, that specifically you wanted to call out that you saw that worked well? Yeah. So when it comes to tracking and if there's tracking, um, integrated into a camera, um, that is what I, what I kind of call the, within the education budget. So, you know, we're not looking at a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars a camera because that doesn't fit into, uh, most, uh, budgets for education, but, um, the Hudley IQ is a uh, a tracking camera. In fact, it uses artificial intelligence to identify uh, the person. And as you go left or right, it will go ahead and use what's called genius framing to identify where you are. And then it'll zoom in to where you're at. So um, that genius framing feature is, is really nice. Jabber Panacast has uh, a similar functionality um, to be able to to track the teacher left and right. Um, and then we, you know, you have other cameras that don't necessarily have that tracking, but integrate really well with kind of our next topic. So I'll hold off on those a little bit, okay. but um, there's other cameras that will integrate really well with the Gigabot. And that's, I know that's where we're going next. Yeah, let's talk about it. So um, one of the the things that we saw a pretty substantial response to, people got pretty excited about, and you spent quite a bit of time vetting this product, make sure that it was all that it said it was, and um, that it was going to work and and do everything that it says it can do. And I think it's checked a lot of boxes. Is uh, it's called Gigabot, so an auto tracking camera robot. Um, can you just give people an overview? What is it? And then I think ultimately talk about what's the right way to use it? I mean, what's the right situation? Because if people are listening to this and they can hear about the features and the, and the possibilities, but what we want people to, to try and think about is, is this right for my school or my classroom and what's the right situation? Yeah. So like you said, the Gigabot is a, it's basically a, a motor that you can connect a, a webcam to, and it's a smooth, it follows the teacher. It can go 360 degrees. Um, so if you're on a Zoom call or a Teams call or a Meet call um, and the teacher is flowing anywhere in the room, it will it will track that teacher. Um, so it's extremely powerful. It's 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 really nice, especially for organizations that um, may already have webcams, but they want that tracking functionality or to allow um, maybe it's maybe it's even certain content areas where the tracking would be more valuable. Um, they can take that webcam that they already have, or even maybe a more uh, cost-effective webcam, you know, like a NextView or a HuddleCam Go or um, a, a, a Hudley Go, um, you know, and be able to attach that to, to the Gigabot. And really what you have is with the Gigabot and that webcam and your video conferencing solution, you have a way to to live stream that teacher teaching from anywhere in that environment. Awesome. So why there are a few, I don't want to say competing products, but there's a few products in this space. What, why is this one better? What, what is it about this one that, I mean, I know you look as you know, you're the new products guy. So you look, you're looking at all different options and you have companies coming to you saying, try this out. You know, you, you should, 
you know, take a look at our product. What was it about this one that, that, you know, that stood out? So number one is you don't, um, you don't need a mobile device to make this work, right? So that's an additional um, expense that schools would need, you know, for some, uh, some of the competitors, um, you know, some schools have those mobile devices and that's fine, but, but you don't need one. A another thing too is, what we heard and saw a lot from from all the different um, levels of of you know these instructional institutions is how do we allow um, and and empower teachers to teach in this new way without making it confusing, right? How do we allow them to use their the content that they're used to using? How do we allow them to um, leverage technologies that they're used to using? Mm -hmm. And not not bog them down with you know five new technologies to make um, distance learning or, or hybrid learning happen, and that's where the jigabout really comes into play. If if a teacher already knows how to use, you know Zoom or Meet, etc., and you know basically you pop a webcam, which they're used to using webcams, whether they're integrated into their computer or not. You pop a webcam on the jigabot, and you you can rock and roll. You don't need to you know, attach Bluetooth to a mobile device. You don't need to download an app to a mobile device. You don't have to charge things halfway through the day. It's it's the most consistent um, kind of solution or mock-up for what, you know, uh, teachers are used to, to using in their day-to-day -day work. Perfect, okay. Great. Um, let's let's close out with, with another kind of a final topic here, and then we'll maybe talk about what we want to, cover on the next podcast, but let's talk a little bit about, about using Zoom and Google Meet. So I think the overwhelming majority of, of um, schools that we work with are using one or both of these um, softwares for, for distance. Um, let's just talk, first maybe talk about some of the differences or maybe some benefits of one over the other. Um, and then let's maybe if we can give people two or three like really simple best practices that they can take away. Um, we've, we've spent a lot of time over the last few months with our professional development department, which is a department of licensed teachers that, that does nothing except train uh, educators and users, um, the technical staff on how to integrate these technologies. And so we've learned a whole lot about uh, the best way to use Zoom and Google Meet and how to integrate that with the technology. But uh, before we get some tips and tricks, what are, what are, what have you learned, Ryan, in terms of the benefits of one over another, or kind of the differences with Zoom and Google Meet? Yeah, so you know, it, it really depends again what the teacher is trying to do, and what the expectation of the student is, or what the student what you want students to see. Uh, so I, before I dive into uh, some of the differences, one thing I one global thing I want to share when it comes to Again, Zoom, Meet, et cetera, for uh, a video conferencing or a remote teaching, hybrid teaching learning platform is that, like I shared earlier, the vast majority of the things I'm sharing uh, on this podcast really came from conversations or direct from schools. Um, and one of the things I consistently heard um, from schools and teachers was if I shared, especially when the teachers, you know, last spring, a lot of them were teaching from home and some still are teaching in an environment where it's just their, their laptop. Um, what happened was, is when the teacher shares their screen or their content um, to, to, you know, leverage and teach students, they're, they're missing the students 
video feeds, right? They're not able to see all the students and how they're reacting. And if they're raising their hands physically, um, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not able to see the body language. They're not able to see the things that they're used to seeing in the classroom that can kind of um, get, you know, a lot of teachers sense that and notice that, and then they they accommodate those students um, in a way that helps those students uh, keep moving forward. And what I noticed is a lot of organizations looking at a second monitor for teachers, and and, yeah. um, and what that what that means might be, hey, you have monitors in your lab that that are not being used yet. It maybe is fine, you know, purchasing non-interactive, um, you know, twenty-inch monitors for teachers. However, you procure those. But um, I kept on hearing that the teachers that had that second monitor that remote or hybrid teaching and learning went so much better because they could, they could share their desktop to teach, but then they could just tilt their head and see all their students and their reactions. So I would say high level, um, that's a best practice. Now, when it comes to zoom and Google meet, there's a lot of overlapping features, um, that are there, you know, Google meet obviously came out with a lot of new feature updates and upgrades lately. Um, zoom has sense as well. Uh, one going back to my original, uh, you know, introduction around, uh, you know, how, what people were looking for at the beginning of COVID and, and what does technology look as we hopefully come out of COVID, um, is how do zoom now allows you to basically stream two cameras. So what you can do is you could essentially have a camera facing the teacher you know, you can hear the teacher, see the teacher, and they can be interacting with the content, whatever content that is. And there could be a second camera facing the class. And so students at home would kind of get the best of both worlds side by side on their devices. Um, or you could have the teacher teaching, and maybe it's a high school environment where the teacher's teaching, you know, uh, at the front of the room, but then there's a second camera that's over a, uh, uh, a science bench or or a table or something like that where a teacher may go model or or, or run type some type of uh, experiment and you can see that from above. So Zoom now allows you to have um, that dual feed to add a second camera, which I think yeah, is, yeah. is really powerful. Um, also, Zoom allows you to uh, live stream a mobile device remotely as well. So you know, if it if um, if a teacher is trying to model uh, something on a mobile device, uh, it you know a lot of times you see people hold up their mobile device to the webcam and try to share with people. Right, what to yeah, do. I'm done that uh, now in Zoom, you can actually just share your mobile device as another source, and as you interact with that thing, the students will see um, your interaction. So again, just providing teachers flexibility and integrating tools um, that they have been using for many years, uh, but making that easy, as easy as possible in a remote or hybrid teaching environment. Perfect, so before we close then, you you mentioned a huge key to success, finding a way to get that second monitor, whether you're (laughs) borrowing one from from an unused lab or, or, you know, monitors aren't too terribly expensive now, so finding a way to procure some extra monitors, that's that's big. Um, Any other, Really simple best practices, tips, and tricks that we can give the audience. No, I th- not that I can think of when it comes to uh, come to these topics. But again, just being intentional about what you're trying to achieve, um, yep. and then making sure because what we found out is a lot of schools had a lot of the puzzle pieces, 
Um, they were just missing one or two things. And, and so, you know, we had the opportunity to help them, you know, put that puzzle together. Um, so I, I think it's really just identifying what is ideal for the, the school district per their budget and then supplying the best uh, resources and best practices to make that happen. Sounds good. Thank you, Ryan, on behalf of the audience here and, and on behalf of half of Tierney and the rest of the staff. Thanks for joining. Hopefully um, the audience found this useful. Hopefully we, we provided some, some good insights, maybe something that people could take away. And our intention again is to, to, to put these out when we come across new technologies, new um, things, trends that we can talk about, uh, introduce people, things to, to people. Um, and, you know, next time we, we kind of talked about it earlier, but next time we, we think the next thing up is to talk about some of these really cool um, classroom audio voice amplifications uh, of products or services that, that really are going to work well, particularly with, with masks. If there's, if there's a, a mask mandate in the classroom or the school, or um, even if it's voluntary, um, there's some really nice um, audio products that, that help mitigate that. And, and I think it's, you know, clear, Clear, crystal clear audio is, is has been important forever in the classroom, but more so now, I guess, than ever. So stay tuned for that. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining, and we look forward to talking with you again soon.